Welcome back to the Fowler Effect. I'm your host, Michael Fowler, and with me today is Black Belt Chris Moriarty. Uh, thank you for joining me today, Chris. Thanks a lot, Mike, for having me on. Um, Chris, I wanted to, to introduce you, uh, you to, to any listeners who, um, who, are, who may not be familiar with you. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just give me, um, give me like the autobiography, like the how did you start? Like, where did it begin? And, 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 uh, and, and all the way from, from white to black belt. Okay. So, um, I can, you know, found jujitsu probably the way that a lot of people found it when I started. Uh, so in 2001, I think, um, actually that's when I, I met somebody that was doing jujitsu for the first time. But the first time I think I was ever exposed to it was maybe like a year or two before I would, uh, I used to have like a like a, a mom and pop type video store near my house when those things still existed. And I would ride my bike down there and rent movies and stuff. And I remember that they had these old UFCs. And so I would rent them. And, you know, you just saw this skinny guy with a gi on just pulling people to the ground and choking them out or breaking their arms. And I was like, how old are you at this point? Um, the first time I probably saw UFC, I might've been like 15 or 16, but, um, when I started training, I was about, I was about 18, but really what I I remember, you know, this is kind of like right when the internet was kind of like becoming somewhat useful, but there still weren't like a lot of people didn't have, like maybe people didn't have websites and stuff. So I remember that first time I actually saw my instructor, Jacare's Academy was, um, probably about 16 or 17 we used to go to this Japanese steakhouse um, and I was you know one day we were waiting for our table and I was just walking around the shopping center and I saw like his uh, the master logo which is like an alligator and I was like oh there's a jiu-jitsu academy here and I remembered that I remember thinking okay one of these days you know, I'm going to get in here but um, you know I was playing football and running track at the time and so I didn't have a lot of time and then when I was working at this place called the Atlanta Athletic Club, making smoothies and stuff, when I was uh, 17, there was a guy that walked by with a gi and a blue belt. And I was like, well, what are you doing? And he's like, oh, jiu-jitsu. I'm like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu? And he's, he's like, yep. And so he would sometimes teach there on Sundays uh, for free, but it was very inconsistent. Like he would come for like a week, you know, come one week and they wouldn't come for two weeks. And then I was like, man, screw this. I'm going to go where he's coming from. And so that was about in January 2002 when I started and I actually started the same Ian McPherson and I started at like the same time, maybe even the same week and his dad. I think his dad, I'm not sure his dad started right away, but a few months later. And so basically, you know, I was training there and then I went to, that was from like January until like August and I got my blue belt from Chacare and like too early to be honest I think it was like three or four months but I think (laughs) but I think he thought now looking back at it that I had started at the same time as this other guy that he was promoting who'd started like several months prior to to me but I was like okay you know and I took the test and got my blue belt or whatever and then um in August I went up to I started college at the University of Dayton uh because that's where my brother went and I really didn't know what I wanted to do and or where I wanted to go so I went up there, and um, when I was looking for jujitsu there, I met um, George Gurgel, 
and I started training at his gym and there was, he had two students that lived right near the university of Dayton. So they'd swing by and pick me up. We drive the 30 minutes to Middletown because his gym was like halfway between Dayton and Cincinnati. And I would do that like, you know, four or five nights a week. I got my purple belt from him after about like, it was like a year and two months that I was training. Uh, and that was while doing classes at the same time. Yeah. yeah. So your, I, was in, college I, was, I was in full, I was, you know, I was full time in college. Um, you know, like at that time, it's a, I wasn't the best student at that time. I, um, I hadn't really found my groove, I guess I, it's hard to explain, but I didn't really feel like I was like, I was ever really going to be a doctor, even though that's what I'd always wanted to do. So, you know, I was kind of half-assing school, but I was, yeah, I was taking like, you know, 15 to 18 credit hours or whatever. So I was full-time. And I would go there and train in the evening. And that ended up being like a three hour thing because, you know, it's like, you know, 30 minutes to get there, 30 minutes to get back. And then, you know, we're there for two hours and hanging out or whatever. And then the, after I finished in May and then I moved back down to Atlanta because I hated it there. And then I started training in Jacare's again. And then I trained with him. So I was got my brown belt in like, I think, September or October 2005. So was so I was a purple belt for quite a while, and then I was a brown belt until December two thousand eight was when I got my black belt, and that was from Jacare. So I pretty much trained with Jacare the whole time, except for uh, like about uh, maybe eight or nine months. I trained with George Grigel, but that was an amazing experience, and he's an excellent uh, technical jujitsu coach and. Um, he really opened my eyes to like how um, how you could really look at jujitsu as like a science and, and you're constantly testing things out and modifying them in real time. And that was he was a big influence on me in that way. Yeah, I think that's important regard the, for a lot of people to, you know, maybe not directly in the beginning, but once you have a little bit of an understanding for someone else to now that you understand what's going on for someone to share another perspective, um, you know, that that's that's. Uh, those are the, the, the real moments of learning, I, I feel. Yeah, and, and, you know, everybody's, you know, everybody's different. And uh, he really, like, his style really spoke to me a lot. Like, he'd be like, he remember he taught an overhead sweep. And I was like, I'd seen overhead sweeps, and I'd never seen anybody really use them. I saw them being taught, and I was like, man, that doesn't work. You know, nobody can do that. And, and, like uh, Captain Kirk, but, foot in the hip, that kind of overhead? Yeah, so like from De La Hiva, right? Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, Which, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, after this, I started becoming like kind of known for doing that, you know, because uh, he was, you know, he taught me, you know, just watching him, he's like, you have to, you know, you push them a little bit so they push you back. And then when they push you back, you pull your hips underneath them. And, you know, just use it, just, just, just kind of teaching a move logically instead of just right, saying, put right, your right. hand here, put your foot here, then push. And like, he was saying, you know, why you're doing this like this, why you're doing like this, like this. And that really spoke to me and it, and it kind of showed me that you can, you can figure things out logically. And then I got introduced to on the mat.com when I was up there, because this is way before YouTube. So I started watching, you know, the old you know, on the mat.com clips, um, like yeah. Margarita and Saulo and Margarita and, and, and Flavio Almeida, which is interesting because of the incident that happened, yeah. bringing up his name. <laughs> but, you know, like, and, um, you know, Shaolin and Leo and Hikarginho and Hobinho, like, I mean, just, 
in these old matches and it, it was just like you know and i realized that i learned a lot by watching matches and so that was a that accelerated my my learning a lot too especially and i, and I feel like the especially the the that time frame i mean if if they were on video they were worth watching oh and, yeah and uh you know so it wasn't really hard to you know, you didn't have to like. I feel like now there's so much information you really have to fish through, like you know, a lot of these black belts to you know who's whose stuff is really legit and working, and and then it's like it's almost like the the Instagram filter effect. You know, you watch someone, you know, do dim, you know, do whatever their little highlight video is, and it's and you know it can make them seem larger than life. Whenever in fact, you know, you know, just it could all be style. It could be you know, it, it just the 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 access of information yet yeah, back. Yeah. I feel like back, you know, and like you said, when there was VHS, like every match was amazing when there was no, like, you know, it wasn't a whole lot of like worthless tape in essence. Yeah. I'm, I mean, uh, cause you only, you know, you, there was not, not everybody could film, you know what I mean? You had to have the equipment. And so you would only like, you know, turn it on when there was something worth watching. Um, but it did was you make cool it down too. to Brazil? Huh? I was going to say, did you make it down to Brazil? Yeah. So, um, so, you know, there's a lot of stuff that happened in between, you know, the time frame I gave you. But um, uh, when I graduated college, so I graduated. So when I came back to Atlanta, I did like uh, one semester at Georgia State, uh, Georgia State University, which is downtown. And I was full time there and I was actually delivering pizzas for Domino's at the time to make money. And then I was, tr- you know, training like, you know, f- you know, f- probably f- five days a week. I never really trained six days a week. I always train. I always like took one day off in the middle somewhere. It was usually Fridays because I didn't like to train that much nogi at the time. And Saturday was a really hard class. And uh, and so uh, when I so I did a semester at Georgia State, and then I transferred over to Georgia Tech, and I finished every all my. Uh, I, I you know I got my degree from Georgia Tech in biology, and I got a minor in German, and then um, which is just some random fact, but. <laughs> um, I like languages. That's kind of my thing. So that was something. And I think I had some friends who was growing up that were like their family was German or something. So I thought it was cool. But uh, after college, I had the opportunity to um, go to Brazil. So I backpacked. And my goal with that trip really was, you know, everybody's thinking you, you go down there to, to do jujitsu. And I was like, I, I can do jujitsu all I want here for free. My my. The reason I went was because I had two friends that that I was friends with in high school that after college did these backpacking things. One of them went to India for like two months and one of them went to like all through South America, but basically Spanish speaking South America for like seven months. And and they both came back with the most ridiculous stories and just like the most amazing adventures. And they were both and they both came back with like laser focus on what they wanted to do with their lives. It was like. It was like they were like, yeah, I pretty much kind of sowed my oats and and now I know like exactly what I want to do. And I was like, man, I want that kind of focus. And those I got to have that kind of adventure before, you know, I ever figure out about this whole medical school thing. And so after college, you know, I, um, you know, bought a, you know, a backpack and all this gear. And, you know, again, this is like before, you know, I think the iPhone hadn't even come out yet. So you didn't really have smartphones. And so like I bought the, what is that book called? Um, Lonely planet, 
which is like a travel guide for Brazil. And it tells you the places that you can stay and the food choices and everything. And so I kind of mapped out this trip. And at the last minute, one of my friends, I, uh, you probably know him too, because he was competing a lot around the time that we were both competing a lot. His name is Chase Wheaton. He, um, he actually got second to Ryan Hall in Purple Belt in the world. I think that was like 2007 or 2008. I see the name does sound familiar. I he's, didn't see it. he's a I stud. Um, he, he was a stud back in, and he got really into CrossFit. But uh, he came with me and we went to Costa Rica because we had a friend there. We stayed there for a week and then we went, we flew in. We had the genius idea to fly into Venezuela because it was cheaper than flying into Rio. And, you know, just being dumb, we didn't realize like how freaking far Caracas <laughs> is from Rio. It's like flying into New York City to go to LA. You know what I mean? Oh, it was geez. like, and so the whole adventure of getting did chase chase didn't even make it to rio which is the funny thing so we ended up being in venezuela for like a month and then we met this swiss guy who was buying a car because he was traveling through brazil and then we kind of drove with him this 1979 ford fairlane which broke down multiple times and we crossed illegally the Venezuelan Brazil border. And then we put it on a a boat so that we could take it down the Amazon because you can't get from Manaus to Belém driving. And then, and then I ended up finally getting to Brazil and I, or sorry, getting to Rio. And I was, you know, three or four months later and I was in Rio for like three months. Wow. Yeah. And I lived with the Brazilian family. Um, and the whole way that I met them is just a crazy story because I was really just riding around in a bicycle that I borrowed from my friend to find a cheaper hostel because all the prices were getting jacked up for Hevignon, which is uh, the Brazilian New Year. And uh, in, in Rio, it's just ridiculous and all the hostels jack up the prices. So I'm riding around on my bike and I see these you know people with backpacks get out of a, out of a taxi and then this lady comes out of like this um, – she comes out of this house and they're talking and I can tell they don't understand each other. So I write up and I'm translating and then I find out they have a room. So I end up staying there for three months. Oh, you scored because they had, they came out. That's yeah. Awesome. Uh, you know, so, and you know, so it was an awesome opportunity to, to learn Portuguese because uh, nobody spoke English when I was at home. And, you know, I was completely immersed all the time. Not like if you stay in Ipanema or Baja where you tons of people that are used to tourists. I was in Botafogo and, um, so, you know, by the time I came back, I was, you know, I was, I was fluent. You know, I wasn't an expert, but, you know, I was fluent. You could, yeah, you could. Yeah, you, you know, were fine. So, you were, you were fine yeah. And then by the time, you know, I came back, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty much ready to uh, put my big boy pants on and, and start work and, you know, start the whole uh, process of um, really getting to medical school and everything. And that was, a, you know, started my journey then. That was like... Uh, uh, April, March or April 2008. How, how how long was that total trip from from the Venezuela to coming back home? Um, I think I left. I think it was seven months. That's impressive. That's a good time. That's a that's a proper trip. Yeah, and uh, you know, I mean, of course, like you know, nothing works the way that you think it's going to work and no, know, that's the whole adventure. For our, sure. our car like crapped out. We left it on the side of a road. We derbied it until it died. And then Pete, we watched people chop it while we were waiting for a bus. Um, oh. 
Yeah, I mean, dude, I can go on. That's a whole other three hours of, of things. But it was I can't recommend it enough for if you have the opportunity to to backpack, you know, to get out and, and see the world like not from the confines of like a really nice hotel and resorts, but just like how other people see it. You take the, the transport that the average person takes. You eat the food that the average person eats, you know, and and man, it um it'll ju- it just it just blew my mind you know you're so used to things you know here working so well like everything works like clockwork you know and then you go to the you know the especially like the north of brazil where it's it's poor you know and mm-hmm. things just don't work you know like or like i remember you know that you had to pay extra for air conditioning like and it you're talking about it's so hot you can't even sleep you know and and so you have to like, but you have to really think because you're on a budget, man, is it worth, you know, an extra 10 bucks a night to, to have air conditioning? My answer to that is yes, but I traveled with people that didn't think it was worth it. And so I spent a lot of nights walking around aimlessly because I couldn't sleep. Wow. Yeah. Just yeah. miserable from the But heat. anyway, there's a, there's, it was an excellent <laughs> experience and I, I couldn't recommend it enough to people that, you know, are finishing college and they're not sure exactly what they want to do it's it's an awesome experience well i mean that's that's awesome for you for that i mean i I commend you on the dedication because not many people could uh you know number one you know leave the country and then stay gone for that kind of like you you know those those are the trips like i you know uh i've never done anything that long but i've done my own share and it's something i tell people you can't plan those trips like you just gotta go and it's like there isn't like how do you like you know if you were to plan how do you prepare to leave for seven months if you were to plan that like you couldn't like there's yeah i mean you know not unless you've already done the trip before but then you know yeah you know now like how it is now compared to how it was then i'm sure it's totally different i mean there's yeah i couldn't even i mean thank god you know the 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 toughest parts of the trip were when i my portuguese sucked (laughs) <laughs> so it'd be much easier now, but at the same time, like I wouldn't put up with half of the crap that I put up with then. I'm just too old for that nonsense, you know, but uh, yeah, I agree. I mean, you just kind of have to know kind of you have a rough idea of the things you want to see and where you want to go. And then you just have to, you have to be open-minded and flexible. I mean, there was a couple of times where I was like, you want, you know, you like want to throw in the towel. You're like, screw this. I just want to go home. Yeah. Um, but, I've had those moments there too. Yeah, you know, but uh, so it makes you, it made me more resilient. You know, I mean, I don't, things weren't as big of a deal when I came home, like having to wait, you know, if you're out to eat and it takes a while for the food to come. You, you know, I mean, you're just happy that you get free refills on your drinks, you know, which is <laughs> a uniquely American thing. True that. Very That's so, very God so. bless America. Now with, you know, with, in my mind, you're one of the you're, you're you know you're one of the better American black belts, especially um, uh, when we were definitely more being more active. Now, did like or, you know since since you've just progressed on in your life, um, you know before I go that far, going back on the way to getting the black because my mind I said you're you're super talented. Did you, did you do anything? I would say or like was there anything you can attribute to like a little bit of the success like. Um, whether it be like, you know, dr- you know, was it drilling? Was it note taking? Was it, you know, just showing up being consistent? Well, well, I'll say so, like, I guess for people that don't know, 
So I think you, yeah, you competed the Copa do Mundo the year before I did in 2005 and you got third. And then uh, in 2006, I went over there and that was like back when the CBJJO was like pretty big and it kind of yeah. rivaled the CBJJ and those terms were a week apart. So, oh, it fully <clears> did. <throat> it fully rivaled. Yeah. Because they were paying athletes and stuff. And that was actually the cause of the Alliance Master split, unfortunately. Um, but uh, so I got third in my weight in the absolute there. And then I got third in the absolute in the world championships. And this is all in 2006. And then I missed my call out for my weight somehow at the world championship. And then the next year. You missed it or they never called? I, well, I never heard my name, to be honest with you. And I well, didn't go anywhere, but. I missed it. I apparently, you know, Muzio yeah. said that he called it, or I don't know. Yeah, that's uh, I, they always. I, I feel like that was especially back then. Like you're just like, no, skip. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't want to blame anyone, but I, you know, I didn't go anywhere, so that's never happened to me before. Put it that way, but I, I like it's totally possible that I just missed it. But um, 2007, I won uh, heavyweight brown belt. I didn't fight absolute that year because I'd actually broken my ankle uh, in January and that tournament was in August. So I hadn't really done any stand up at all. Um, and it sucked, too, because I was actually I had won the Abu Dhabi trials in October 2006. And I didn't really get to train for that at all because I'd only been walking. Oh, I'd only been walking like about a month prior to the tournament. I'd only actually been training for about two weeks. So that was, that sucked. And um, so I won my weight class in the worlds, but I didn't even, yeah, because of that, I didn't try to fight the absolute. The next year I fought the absolute and some person that none of us had ever really heard of before was there. And I had a really tough first match and then um, got really tough. I, I won it in the last like 20 seconds with the sweep and a back take, but uh, my, so I was exhausted in the second match. Yeah, like I said, some guy we didn't ever, we never heard of before named Holdolfo Vieira <laughs> was like, I'm like standing across from this guy and we, we start gripping up and like right when we grip up, I'm like, uh, I could tell like that this guy was freakishly strong and knew a lot on the feet. So I was like, hmm, I'm going to pull guard. And man, when I pulled guard, I was like, oh my God, this guy's got so much pressure. It's like how much time is left. And, and then I actually swept him. But I swept him right into a deep half guard, which at the time I just was not very comfortable passing. I think I was there for like 10 seconds. He swept me back. And then the rest of the match is just me defending my guard. And so I lost there. And then he, of course, went on to win that. Um, and then um, – but weird. He didn't show up the next day or he didn't compete. I think it was the next day in our weight class. So I actually uh, split that the weight class win with um, – one of my teammates, Antonio Pinaldo, they call him Batista. And then, um, then after that, I got my black belt. So oh, that, yeah. that's just me, just kind of backing up, because uh, you know you're asking you're asking me like what I did. You know, I would say that <clears throat> I would say if I I feel like I have I'm fortunate in jujitsu in that I kind of had you know once you know, George kind of showed me that thing, he showed me kind of opened my eyes to how much you can learn and the way you can think about it. And then I started watching videos. I felt like that gave me 
it gave me enough. Like and it was basically jujitsu was just an outlet for my creativity and my mind. And so it was the first sport that I'd ever played that rewarded you for thinking. You know what I mean? Like that rewarded you for, you know, like trying to figure things out in real time. Right. And, solving and, that puzzle. For yeah. And then like, and then like, and then like you, you get to be in the same situations over and over again. So then you get to like, you know, run these little mini experiments. And so I feel like, you know, I kind of had a, that's, I kind of found like my niche. I had a, 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 I had a talent for that to be able to remember, you know, if I were in a situation, a sweep or something and it didn't work, I'd be able to like picture in my head exactly where I was the time before and what grip I had and what it felt like when he resisted. And then I'd be able to think about it in real time. Like, okay, now I'm going to try this. And then if I had watched a video a couple of days before, it's like the, that had that position, that image would pop into my head at the right time. And so I feel like, you know, I, I had some knack for it. Um, so I would say the things that really helped me were the watching matches and, um, and just in just having that mindset of when I was training of trying things all the time. And then, you know, I would get really frustrated if I used the same submission over and over and over and over and over again. I'd be like, man, you know, you're, you know, it's kind of an obsessive thing. Like I'm stagnating. And so I'm always, always looking for new things and better ways to, to do things and make things easier. I say like, those are the, so I don't really have, like, I can't say that I drilled a lot because I didn't, I hated drilling. And, um, uh, that's so sad. I'm right there with you. I wasn't, uh, yeah, the, the more gets done in my mind than ever does physically, I would say. Yeah. And I would say, you know, sometimes like you can't get something to work and you train, 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 train. And then you happen to take like two or three days off and then you go back in and it works. And it's like, and you didn't realize like how much you were playing with that idea in your mind while you were off the mat. Or sometimes you just needed to put it away for a little bit. So when you came back to it, you could think more clearly. So, um, I'd say that, you know, like that's, that was the thing for me. Um, reason, the reason I ask yeah. is because a lot of, um, you know, I would say a lot of my listeners, um, generally, because I do a lot of seminars now, especially since being back in the mainland for this, you know, the, uh, this past year, I've been doing a lot of seminars, uh, just, you know, driving in obscure, not obscure places, but, you know, I'm driving through Missouri in the Midwest or through Oklahoma and spots that don't normally get visited too often. Yeah. And so, you know, a lot of these guys, you know, they um, typically I've come across the same questions. And, uh, and, 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 you know, I feel, again, like everyone, you know, everyone's got to going to find that thing the, the way it, they can break it down or. But I, to me, I, I, I think that's perfect. That's a great way of explaining it as far as just the, you know, as you, you know, you know, like you said, breaking down logically, looking at you know, running the running experiments, I think is a perfect way to put it, you know? Um, yeah. Just as far as, you know, going through a same, you know, a similar scenario over and over and over and over and trying to find out, yeah. you know, the easiest way. Well, I would say, so like the, the one thing I have, you know, I have a lot of opinions on this, but I would say <clears throat> I'm not, I could never say to someone what the best way to learn jujitsu was. Anybody that would answer that question definitively I think hasn't thought about it enough. Like, because, you know, like the, everybody's learning styles different. Like some people really get a lot out of watching instructionals. I don't, you know, uh, like there's no context because where they say the move starts really isn't where the move starts because no move really starts anywhere because it's all like a, 
you know, it's all a counter to a counter to a counter to a counter to a counter. You know what I mean? And so for me, I like to watch things in context and it's almost, it just, and sometimes I'll be in a lot, you know, as I've gotten older and more experienced, sometimes I'll watch matches just to see how somebody handles something emotionally. Like you'll see, that's why I really became, I'm, you know, for me, Hodger Gracie is the greatest of all time. I don't care if Bushesha wins uh, more absolutes. Nobody did what Hodger, no, what Hodger was able to do was so unique in that he was under complete emotional control in all of his matches. Like it didn't matter where he ended up on the bottom when he was down in points, he was able to immediately change the, like, change his arousal level to fit the situation and so um that so so like i watch that you know i'll watch i kind of watch so let me step back for a second so what i mean by that is if he's got to be aggressive and fast he'll be aggressive and fast but if all of a sudden he gets swept and he's in a bad position where if he scrambles he can end up in a worse situation he's able to immediately calm himself down and and, and change his tempo and that is such Right, a no one high the, level no one skill the, to have yeah. when there's so much pressure, and so for me, like that's just so impressive. Um, so you know, I watch that, and that that's what you know that's what works for me. But some people will will do better watching instructional. Some people will do better journaling. The only thing that I say is that when people ask me, I'll say this is what I do, and I'll explain to them why, and kind of, and they'll know something about me. You know, like this is how my mind works and this is how I when I'm training what I'm looking for. The one thing that I will say that should that can apply to everyone that I think will make can make anybody better at jujitsu. And if you don't do this, you're going to be stuck is you need to be present while you're rolling, meaning that sometimes you're rolling with people and you're looking across at them and you can just see they're not even there. Like you could like wave your hand in front of their face and it's like they're so consumed by whatever they're going after that they can't see anything else. Right. And that's the kind of person that's been doing the exact same pass, the same wrong way for five years. And it's like the only way that he is even capable of doing that is because he's not paying attention to what he's doing. He's just doing. And that can happen when you're constantly training for competition or you're constantly trying to do the best you possibly can on the map because you don't play loose enough to, to, you, you don't relax your mind enough to be able to think, you know, like it's fight or flight versus, you know, versus thinking or versus being right. Very one track. Right. And so you, you, you have to kind of let off the gas a little bit to be able to see, you know, like, Oh, okay. This pass isn't working. What is he doing? That's blocking me. Oh, I see. Every time I do this pass, you know, he pushes my shoulder here. All right. Next time what I'm going to do is I'm going to drop my shoulder a little bit lower. I'm going to make, you know what I'm saying? And if you can, kind of if you're as an instructor if you're rolling with someone like that be like hey hey like look at what you're doing where am i putting my hand you know you can kind of try to make them more aware of of being uh present and that, that's the thing that i think one thing i would say that can apply to everyone regardless of what their style is but i couldn't give like one set of recommendations for how to improve you know besides that well that's that's i think that's but that's more than perfect i uh you know and I, I agree uh, 100% as far as, you know, there's no definitive answer. You know, it's, it, you know, it, I didn't learn all the things I learned from just one person. And some of it was, you know, some of it I had to dwell on for a while on my own end, uh, you know, to, to get to where I'm at as far as, you know, 
understanding jujitsu and and my own particular form. Yeah. Um, next next thing I would like to, to ask about now this is is it just I guess the the state of of some modern jujitsu. Um, uh, one in my mind is the steroids running rampant, uh, and then and then uh, and then we also see uh, we just had the altercation at this past Nogi Worlds with Half Gracie, and we've even gotten to see video now um, where you know you can see that like he came up and shook hands and everything's cool, and then he cocks back and just you know what I mean? It's like oh, and it's like, how many stories have we heard like this about how if I want you know what I mean? Like, uh, you know where do you like I don't know. What do you not that you know? Of course, you're not. What's wrong? But what are your what are your thoughts? What what did you think whenever you would, uh, when that when that came out? <laughs> well, I think I posted something on Facebook. You know, like I only I don't usually my, most of the stuff I post. I purposely don't post like that much stuff about myself. I I'm kind of uncomfortable with the idea of self promotion, even though I've been happy to see that you know, people that I, I respect and, and uh, deserve to get more credit than they've they've gotten have been able to use social media to to increase their exposure. And uh, and it's an important thing. And I actually don't have a problem with it in, in, in principle. But, you know, most of the time I don't make that kind of commentary. But uh, but uh, that, you know, I mean, it's so the thing or it, Somebody actually wrote on Facebook, I think the other day they said, and I thought it was so, I thought it was so spot on. They said something like, you know, Half Gracie, Gracie, maybe Half Gracie is like the Harvey Weinstein of, you know, exposing, you know, thuggery in jujitsu, you know, like where Harvey Weinstein was the first one that kind of exposed the, it kind of uh, catapulted the Me Too movement, you know, almost like. Maybe this will hopefully be that thing, you know, because, you know, we've, we've all, it's one of those things that it was, we, we just, it just kind of came, it was a part of jujitsu when we started, right. you know, like that every now and then some, you know, instructor, you know, unfortunately, you know, typically an older Brazilian instructor or somebody that's been around a long time would just like lose his temper and hit someone or, you know, and it would be like, and everybody be like, oh, yeah, ha, 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 he's a little crazy. You have to calm him down. And and it's like, you know, I'm growing up, I'm thinking, okay. You know, you think it's a little weird, but you're so used to it. And now as jiu-jitsu's grown and, it, and it's become worldwide and, you know, of course, like, you can't do that kind of stuff in the, in the U.S. You know what I mean? Like, you, there are consequences. And, and so, like, you know <clears> – <throat> people it's be, it's become more professional and so now like when people do it we that kind of stuff we all are kind of like it's more shocking and i think that's great i think that's has to be the way it is it's not cool it's not funny it never was um i mean i have you know uh i've seen i've seen things personally that were <clears throat> not nothing to that level but things that I've told other people in confidence that were have things that instructors have done that have made me lose respect for them and think about them differently. Um, and it's just, it's just that shouldn't that, sorry, I'm trying not to cuss on your show, but that, that stuff has to be called out. And now I think that like, you know, 
as with the comparison Harvey Weinstein, we shouldn't, we don't have to be afraid anymore to say it, you know, because honestly, jujitsu, there's enough people now, there's enough good black belts that have the degrees to be able to promote, to promote other black belts. So you don't need associations anymore. Do you know what I mean? Like, correct. Whereas before, you know, you needed someone that could give you your black belt. You don't need associations anymore for that. So if I'm going to be a part of an association, it's because you're providing a high level, you're providing a high value and not, and it can't just be like you coming over twice a year and teaching me moves because any move that you're going to teach me, I could probably find, or I could just do a private lesson with you and save all the association fees. So there's gotta be, you know, leadership, mentorship, not just in jujitsu, but in, in, in life. And, you know, how, you know, helping me, teaching me how to run my academy better, how to get more students, how to use social media, these kinds of things. And so I think that now people aren't as afraid, man, if I ruin my relationship with him, then, you know, you know, that's, I'm one of his affiliates, or I have a friend that's one of his affiliates. And there was a lot of political pressure not to say anything. But I think nowadays, like, we, we don't have to be afraid of that kind of stuff anymore. We don't need, you know, like, we don't like, I don't want to say, you know, cause I, I like I, in Miami, I train with Helian Gracie and it's been awesome. And he is one of the nicest people I've ever met. And his son, I trained a lot with him. His son, Hogan teaches a lot of classes and we have a great relationship and they've been really welcoming to, um, my wife and me. And I wouldn't trade the time here for anything, but, you know, like we start have to start looking at people in terms of more than just their last name. Correct. And it's just unnecessary that there's any pref. It's just we don't need that there's any preferential treatment anymore for that. You know. Very true. That's a that's a that's a good way to, you know, no more. It's the, no more the the you know you can't you can't just be a bully because your last name. Yeah, and and because you know you're the cousin of the guy that runs the IBJJF, you know, and who would it, who knows what would have happened if there was no video of that? Would they have been able to bury it? Right, right. You know, I right. mean, because you know that stuff has been buried before. You know, I mean, um, but that's why it's important. You know, that's one of the positives. You, you know, of, of social media. You know, it's like you. It's hard to hide. You know, very true. Very true. It is a. It's a very. Uh you know the 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 vast amount of information are just that's you know available at a fingertip is uh you know like that video you know what i mean the 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 you know how fast is the you know that that was that was pretty that, that video wasn't even straight on you know it wasn't even it was across the mat like that was that i was like oh like that's just crazy like that's that's where they found and that, the video and that was done like somebody <clears throat> you don't be you aren't helps age and do that for the first time right i'm saying like that was done with such disregard for any consequences either and it's probably combination both either has absolutely no self-control or he didn't think that anything could happen to him right i I mean and that's 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 right spot on and that's the fault and that's the fault of the community because in reality for the last 20 30 years or however long Nothing would be done because, you know, you just they're on, you know, that person's untouchable. And it's just like, nah, man, like this is our sport now, too. You know what I mean? We want like we want to be safe here. We want to be able to like 
have reliable people around that are going to be able to maintain their composure. And if like you look, whatever, you got a problem with them. If you guys agree to go fight somewhere, go fight somewhere. You know what I mean? But like that was just like, to, I mean, there's no, there's no, I like this lawyer that said that he was like, like can, intending to provide counsel for health grace. He said, you know, it doesn't show the full context. I mean, give me a break. I mean, like, yeah. it was just, it's just, but so yeah, there's just no excuse for it. And I, I really hope that this gets, this, uh, this gets settled in a, in, in legally, you know? Now, um, with, with, with go back to the steroid part. Cause this one's the one that I, it doesn't really bother me in too much of a sense because I'm, I guess I'm just, I'm over that part of the competition and it's like in my mind if you want to really compete and hang with these guys you've got to do what they're doing and um i don't know i feel like it almost it's almost a little irritating because it sends out like a false sense because a lot of these guys put out you know training and all these other recommendations yet they they don't include (laughs) the steroid that's you know and some guys are vocal about it and they'll just come right out and say it but it's like, man, there's a few dudes I fought only a few years ago that used to be my size, you know. And it was like, you know, whether it be uh, Hinger or, or or Galvão, like, dude, those guys got big out of nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> it was like we were the same size. We fought in multiple divisions, 2006, 2007, you know. And then even Hinger, I just fought him a few, you know, a few years ago. And uh, I remember it was funny because uh, after the match he had asked me how much I weighed and it's like, dude, now I want to ask him how much he weighs, you know? And it's like, they're super nice guys. Like, I don't have any problems. Like, man, if that's where you're going to go to to compete, that's cool. Do it. But, uh, it's just, I feel like whenever, you know, <coughs> yeah. glorify the, the rest of the jujitsu, but they didn't put in. Well, what... look, I mean, this is just like, I mean, if you think about it, it's like bodybuilding. I remember when I, I was, you know, when you're a kid and you, you know, back, you know, back then, you know, all you had were magazines, you know what I mean? There was no magazine that you could get at CVS for, you know, Olympic lifting or powerlifting or, or anything like that, or track and field or all you could find were like men's health flex. Sometimes you could find Ironman and uh, what was it called? Muscle and strength. And these are all bodybuilding magazines, you know, and then all the biggest bodybuilders, like they're all promoting supplements. And so you're a kid and you know, you go to the, uh, I can't remember the store I used to go to, but um, it was right next to my gym and I got to know the guys that ran it because I was in there all the time buying supplements. And then I remember, <clears throat> I, I like, I asked the guy like so innocently one day, I was like, did, did you think this guy used steroids? And he just starts dying laughing, like cackling. And I was like, really? He's like, of course. I was like, all of them? He's like, yeah. You think that that's possible to do? Like those bodies, like, the 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 like the striations that they have the muscle separation they have the dryness that they have you know the, the just the size like and i was just like well i don't know and he's like no and i was like well, why don't they just say it and he's like well he's like dude because then if you do it you know nobody's gonna buy any of these products you know what i mean like and and it's a game you know what i mean it's yeah. it's a game it's just like the tour de france you know like or or any professional sport you know you need you need the public to believe that they're capable of something that they're not capable of so that they'll continue to buy products. I don't believe that that's even the athlete's intention. You know, the athlete is right, interested right. in, in duping people and they, they probably like, I'll say like, 
you know, creatine is a very effective supplement, you know, like eating well is a very important part of being an athlete, recovering well, you know, sleeping well, um, things like that are, are really important and, and you can't get to a high level without doing those things. But they're, I mean, they're, it's a, it's a, it's a drop in the bucket when you're talking about, you know, tripling the amount of, of testosterone you have in your bloodstream, you know, correct. I mean? and, 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 you know, doubling the amount of growth hormone that you have. And, you know, so of course, of course it's disingenuous. Of course it is. And of course, you know, you know that as an athlete, but I think that, you know how it is. It's if, if your goal, if it's, if it's more important to you to reach this goal than to be, than to be, um, honest about how you're, what you're doing, what you're willing to admit to achieve it, you're going to do it. You know what I mean? Like I basically told myself years ago, you know, of course, my father died when I was nine years old from sudden cardiac death. I, my uncle that just passed away had a, a quintuple bypass when he was in his 50s. My other uncle on my dad's side of my family died from sudden cardiac death when he was in his 50s. So I'm much more cautious about right. what I, I will do. See. And so I, I told myself I would never – I'll just – if it gets to the point where I can't be competitive naturally, I'm just not going to compete. I don't really care, you know. And – for me, I always wanted to do something else. I never had the intention of making jujitsu my life, even though I think that's a gr- it's it's if that's what you want to do, that's that's awesome. I, I'm happy for people that love doing jujitsu for their life. It was just not what I wanted to do, and so it was never that important to me. And I wasn't so I wasn't ever going to do that, you know. But people do it, and you know, it's a joke when people go up, you know especially when you're already like 30 years old, all right, you're like, or you're late twenties and all of a sudden you can gain 20 pounds of, of muscle mass and no additional body fat while you're doing such, you're doing an incredibly catabolic activity like jujitsu five or six days a week. It's just, that's, I mean, you're treating like, you're treating people like as if they're idiots. You know what I mean? Now, of course, nobody's ever just walked up to him or interviewed any of these people and been like, hey, so do you use anabolic steroids or have you ever used anabolic steroids for a short period of time to help you recover or gain weight? Because it's so interesting because we all know that that's an insulting question because it because what you're saying is essentially – so you wouldn't have been able to do what you, – you, you wouldn't have been able to accomplish what you've accomplished without quote-unquote cheating because that's how everybody looks at it. Correct. You know? My opinion is that, like, I just, I didn't really care. You know, I wish, I honestly wish, I don't see why, uh, I mean, I don't see why anabolic steroids are illegal. I think that, I do think that they're, they should be prescribed by a physician. Um, but you could, you know, I mean, you shouldn't have these, you know, 22-year-old kids injecting you know, exogenous hormones into, you know, into their bodies and have no, you know, these kids that have, a, you know, no more than a high school education doing something that's like that. I think it's crazy, but honestly don't have a problem with it. I just wish we could get to a point in the sport where we could just be open about it because then you could exactly. really decide, you could really decide we could have different, you know, we could have different competitions, you know, but, you know, for clean and, you know, enhanced or whatever, but, that will never happen because nobody wants to admit 
that that they had to go that route. Even though I know personally people that have admitted to me to using would never admit publicly. You know, so I, I really don't expect any more from the athletes. They're, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just, it's a matter of what your goals are, you know, and, um, you know, but it is, fru- it, you know, it's frustrating as an athlete. It is, it sucks. And you basically have to know you, what your limits are, you know, what you're going to do. In the end, like, you're like, I don't care. I can care less if you do it. Um, but you're right. It does. For me, it, it's not, it doesn't take my steam out of like wanting to compete. It's just at what cost, you know? And it's like, uh, you know, I just, I believe in, I had a, I did a podcast um, a few ago that was, you know, the difference between a martial artist and a competitor. And, you know, the main difference I felt between a martial artist and a competitor is a martial artist would do things for the, the, the sake of integrity, honor, value, the, you know, the values. And the competitor is going by any means necessary, you know, and, uh, and nothing's wrong with either one. Like, yeah. and, there, and there's certain competitions where unless you're down to go by any means necessary, you ain't going to win, you know, and like, yeah. you have to be willing to, you know, put your, you know, put yourself in these positions. And, uh, but yeah, no, like I said, as, as myself, as I, you know, for me, I, uh, I did choose jujitsu as my lifestyle and as a, a way of life. And, um, you know, I just, I, and the, when people ask questions about some of these guys, it's like, well, first off, my answer is steroids. And then now we can talk about their jujitsu because it's not, you know what I mean? You're a lot of the times that, you know, these techniques are false because there's so much power going behind it. Like it don't necessarily work like that unless you got that kind of power going with it. And, well, uh, well, I'll say, so. Um, like, I'm just going to say this straight up. First of all, I do not blame like my lack of, uh, steroid use or whatever on my, um, kind of, you know, fizzling out at black boat or not competing as much or not being as Mm -hmm. competitive or whatever. I mean, uh, honestly, I just didn't have, and I don't have the same drive, you know, it's almost like jujitsu it was basically jujitsu taught me by, by my being getting to become good at jujitsu and people recognizing me and, 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 you know, basically giving me positive reinforcement. It helped me develop like the confidence that I needed to be able to push to do what I really wanted to do, which was become a doctor. And so like, once I was, once I learned that about myself and I was able to develop that part of myself enough I really didn't need jujitsu the way that I needed it before. Like I needed that positive reinforcement. I needed people telling me I was good. I needed to win. And after that, it just competition just didn't like, I still like to do it sometimes just to test myself and every, you know, every year, you know, every couple of years I'll do a few tournaments. And when I get some downtime and it's great and I learn a lot and it's fun to try to, you know, see as I get older, how I have to modify my training to, you know, to compete at a high level. But, I just, it's just not as that part of jujitsu isn't, is important to me. But if, you know, jujitsu, some people have a drive to compete and compete and compete and compete. And that's like, you know, like, like, you know, guys like Lovato, I mean, God damn. I mean, he must, he's probably done three, 4,000 matches at this point. I have no idea. You know I mean? I don't know where he just loves it and that's his life and it's awesome. Um, so I'm not going to say like, I can't blame you know, 
I just never had the passion. I never would have been able to do it. Even if I had been taking steroids, I don't think it would have mattered. Um, but I'll say, you know, I mean, it, it's, it's steroids. They, they just allow you to do things that you, you, you wouldn't be capable of physically. You know what I mean? And that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I think it's, it's, it is disingenuous when people are talking about certain types of diets and certain types of training, you know, methodologies and, like if you're 35 and you're training twice a day, five days a week, as hard as you can, how are you, like, how exactly are you recovering from that? Like that's, you know, I mean, that's, that's where it's starting to be a little bit disingenuous. Um, do I think it's dangerous to give people that kind of advice? I mean, maybe, but probably not. Most people will kind of figure it out on their own after a while. I think, you know, for us that have been in it a long time, we kind of just look at it and go, yeah, that's pretty silly. Yeah. Well, I like that. I, I like that a lot. What you just said, as far as um, your you know, where jujitsu, it, 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 you know, how it, it, you know, where it was for you in life at one point, and now, uh, and congratulations, by the way, on um, on becoming a doctor. That's a you know, these are, the, you know, multiple achievements. Uh, most people don't even get one of those, and you know, you're 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 knocking them off, you know, one by one. There. Thank uh, you so much. And. Um, and I just want to thank you too for taking the time to talk. Uh, and I think it was really good, you know, especially for um, at least the people I've talked to personally to hear. Um, I like, you know, like I said, I like that you have other skills and other passions and there's, you know, you have a, you know, you know, your, your way of serving in essence is through, you know, now through medicine rather than, you know, where, uh, you know, before, you know, whether it was, you know, whatever the other jobs were, you know, where jujitsu didn't, it didn't necessarily, uh, you know, it didn't keep you just in jujitsu. You know, I, I, that's awesome. I like how you, like I said, it branched you out. And, um, and it, is there any, anyone you need to, to reach out to to thank, uh, you know, um, on your end? Well, one, I guess I, I, one person I didn't get to, I didn't talk about so much was, uh, just my instructor, Homero Shakare Cavalcanti. I always, you know, I got a shout out to him. I mean, he was, uh, you know, for me, he was it's just his belief in me his was a big factor for me to develop the confidence that i have not not just from winning but his no like he was always so he always had so much confidence in me when i would go out to compete um that he gave me confidence and, and he gave me a lot of positions of he gave me positions of responsibility in the academy that I never thought I was going to be like teaching, you know, like, you know, 19 or 20 years old, like, you know, you know, like, you know, he and I would like alternate teaching. I mean, so like for him to, to, to have trusted me that much and, and, um, you know, get, had so much, having so much confidence in me really, like, it really was a big factor in giving, you know, allowing me to have the success that I've had. So, uh, you know, if he's listening to it, uh, I just want to say thanks a lot you know that's a man yeah that's that you you uh you definitely have a special blessing there that's a that's a that's that's a jiu-jitsu legend uh you know to to get your yeah. black belt from and uh, and thank you again for joining me and um thank everyone for that uh that that's tuning in to check it out and uh look forward to the next episode whenever i return and thank you again chris thank you all right